Well, good afternoon, Jamie. Welcome back for another episode. Great to see you. Great it's, to be it back. It feels like it's been a long time uh, since I've, I've seen you. Time in, in a matter of hours. But it's good to connect again. And this is part two of our series as we look at platforms and how we right-size the solution for uh, each campus and uh, and their fit, as we heard earlier from Lynn Lipkin at the University of the Arts, uh, from his perspective as uh, from the IT seat, I'm very happy to welcome someone I've known probably for three years now, right, Dr. Sass? It feels like it's been about three years. Uh, Dr. Teresita Sass from Reynolds Community College in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Dr. Sass is the Vice President for Enrollment Management and Student Success. They've been using EAB's uh, Navigate product for their advising team for quite some time successfully and, and happily using that. We've worked with them personally, um, helping them implement Salesforce for uh, some of their admissions, recruitment, and marketing and outreach efforts. And so it's really good to see how Reynolds has kind of grown and brought in more technology, really larger platforms, and finding the right way to build these solutions for these use cases. And so, Dr. Sass, uh, welcome to CRM Improv. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me, Mickey. Nice and to meet you, Jamie. Nice. It's great to be here with you, of course, and to talk. We love Mickey and I love talking technology. And you know what I think is really funny about this? technology is so personal, right? There's so much, there's so much personality that goes into it. So like lots of uh, different institutions have different needs and different flavors. And I think that's what this episode is all about is like finding the right mix, finding the right mix for your team and what works well. So great to have you here to talk about that. Thank you. So I've got to dive in with some questions, direct questions, because uh, I know you're going to give direct answers, Dr. Sess. Um, and that's one of the things I appreciate. I, I, we work with a lot of schools. I see a lot of leaders out there and sometimes they hesitate to make decisions and, and I have and, opinions, Mickey. Yes. And have opinions. And I, you know what, that's exactly why I wanted to invite you on this because I knew you would share openly your thoughts and opinions on it and not sugarcoat it. And I think that's important. People need to hear that. You know, a lot of times, and I, I will say this a lot of times on these episodes, but, you know, uh, vendors make promises. And most of the time, those promises are made with very good intentions, but there's not always clear transparency about what it takes to make the systems work the way they say they're going to work. And sometimes that's painful. Sometimes it's longer than we anticipate. Sometimes it's costlier than we anticipate. So, so Dr. Sass, um, I, I've already queued you up and told everyone that you've got two big platforms you're using from a student success and enrollment management perspective. How's that working for you? So uh, one of the things I think is important is that we don't have a campus solution for all things. So the way that we have divided up our outreach and communications to students is three-pronged. One is what are we using to focus on recruitment? And then we have what do we need to focus on with retention? And then we have re-engagement. So those are our three R's. And it would I, I wish I could say we had one solution and it was for everything. But the individuals on our campus who are working for, on those three R's need different things. And so part of our approach is we don't want to overburden people with technology that they don't use. It's not technology close to practice. So they don't have to learn all of this stuff. Um, and, and that works in some instances. 
But in other instances, it's not because you wish that you had known the conversation that was had with that student when they were in the application space. And I will tell you from an institution that has a large advising services, we, we focus on students zero to 30, and those are all staff advisors. And you have faculty advisors who are 31 plus. They're not really communicating with students. But with all of the swirl of students coming in and out of higher education or having to do applications or whatnot, there are some holes there. And all of us are not using one system because no one system at this time has been able to meet all of our needs. And I want to clarify, we have a system where um, the VCCS is a system. So we don't, we're not able to purchase certain things outside of a system. So the EAB product works great for those enrolled students, but it doesn't, we are not using anything like that. We're using Salesforce on the, the front end. So it all depends on the audience when we're talking about the technology and how much is being introduced. We're also working on data literacy on our campus. Like when you look at that, what does it mean? And what should you do and not do? What do you disclose? What do you put in notes that could be something that somebody else sees that they say that's a violation of a HIPAA or you know some other types of things? So big data is something that we talk about. What does that mean? How do we scale it? And what are we using all these different um, tools uh, for? So there's some overlap mm -hmm. as well. And I think having the matrix of what each system provides and recognizing where there's overlap and making a decision, we're not going to use it for that. It is overlap, but that's not where we're going to go because it's way too many clicks for a faculty member. But I love that you you phrase that when you think about the faculty user, because that is typically, not always, but typically a user group that's more sensitive to too many tools, too complex of tools. And if we want the results from the system, the system has to have certain actions taken within it so that processes can be developed, automated, and, and run and executed. And if it's too complex and people don't use it, those processes don't run and things are left out on the table or are undone and holes widen and uh, students fall through cracks. One of the things that, that stood out to me as you're kind of describing that is a lot of decisions have to be made to make that function and to figure out where there overlaps, what we're how we're going to use this for that, how, you know, what do we put in a note field, um, what's shared, what's not. Who, who on your campus owns the product and those decisions? So we implemented last year a data governance structure. And that data governance structure identifies who the data owners are, um, who are the um, a sponsor. When we bring in a new technology, who's the executive sponsor? And their role is to make sure that we don't have either duplication or we know where the duplication is. Are there differences in um, definitions when you move across platforms? It's a lot of work. Just trying to make sure all of these pieces go together. And it's not about the IT individuals. There are so many decisions that have to be made that are not IT plug and play. They are function, business processes, that types of things. So one of the things that I appreciate is having partners, our um, 
partners who bring us these solutions to not only tell us about, oh, this great product, they listen and try to figure out a solution to mm-hmm. that, but our data governance structure, and it's only a year old, was designed for that very, that precise reason. Who owns the data? Who shares, who says who gets access and why, based on roles, not on relationships? And what's the training component? And what void does this meet? What answer to what question, not because someone had a really cool tool. I went to a conference and it was so great. It's like, we already have something like that. They just don't know it or um, they don't have access to it. So I think that partnership piece um, has helped us with thinking about impact. How does the technology impact either the work efficiencies and functionality, or how does the technology actually support the student experience. And if it doesn't do one or two of those because it's somebody's new shiny that they saw at a conference, then that's just where they're just like, they bought something else. Oh, come on already. We're still implementing X, Y, or Z. Yep. I wish I had a soundboard here to insert the applause button um, <laughs> because uh, I, I love that you you talk about that data governance, a group that helps make those decisions. Um, we, we talked about that uh, in our last episode in the role of the governance, and sometimes they don't exist or they're not making those decisions. They don't have the right mix of, of individuals on the group to, to make the right decision, to understand the implications of decisions. And then sometimes we've seen it get a little too far where, um, you know, they, they put in voting structures and it's got to be on an agenda months ahead of time. Right. And, and, and before decisions get made, it may take six months before anything can happen. And that doesn't help either. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit about student experience? How, how is the technology best helping you improve that experience? Let's say we're not there where I think we need to be yet. So let me clarify that. When I think about my utopia of the student experience, the student is not jumping um, through links and clicks through an environment that looks different where it's very clear to them that they're going to these multiple places and they can't go back in, even with single sign-on. So you need to make sure that you've got this integration so that it feels very smooth to the student. That's where this becomes a little bit jumbly because it's like, oh, well, go out and register here or the colors look different or something like that. And sometimes they're confused, like, did I just go to the wrong place? Um, So I think it's important that the student experience is seamless to the student and all of the resources are in a place when they go through their portal um, or they use their email, that it feels like the same thing. That is a um, a difficult thing in some of these um, proprietary software packages. Let me me say it like that. And so it's like, oh, no, well, you were talking to so-and-so, so so that's why it's in this platform. Or, oh, no, you were talking to so-and-so, so so that's why it's in this other place because they don't have it. So that, to me, is is problematic because we haven't nailed that one down, but that is what I would like to see for the student experience. And I'd like to be able to know when students have had contact with other individuals on campus. Um, And I um, worked with Salesforce with a a, a different tool at another institution, and we decided that that's where all of it was going to live. And we would put the appropriate protocols on it 
so you didn't have to be jumping and it didn't look different in the fonts and the colors. Students are very tech savvy. They know when you're taking them around a barn. Hey, I know you're deeply engaged with this conversation, but we're going to pause just for a moment for an important word from our sponsors. If your email templates or website are stuck in 2010, or your program brochures look like they could have been made in Microsoft Paint, it's time to give the sponsor of this week's episode a call. Meet Unincorporated. Unincorporated is a higher education agency committed to building awareness, growing enrollment, and launching programs for universities. If Nike and Apple decided to venture into the higher education branding space, their top competitor would be Unincorporated. Meet the disruptors in the education design industry and subscribe to their newsletter to get a weekly download of the most important trends in higher ed at unincorporated.com forward slash enrollify. Again, that's unincorporated.com forward slash enrollify. I'm kind of curious. Can I have jump in? Um, yeah. Relative to the data governance, uh, fact the factor that you were just talking about, how far how far in does that process go? Because I, I can imagine that it's like very, very kind of internal facing about like how do we keep records and and how when do we purge and all that. But how far out into the students' experience does that data governance like body kind of engage? And what's that process for like bringing like for instance, let's say you feel that there's a gap in something, what's that process for bringing that into that conversation with the data governance, you know, whether it's an evaluation process or what, I'm just curious about what that looks like for you. Okay, so I'll give you two parts that we're working on simultaneously. One is the data governance has representation from across campus. So you're gonna have different people listening for different things. The other part of the data governance is that ideas kind of pop up and that comes through our regular governance structure. And if it aligns with our strategic initiatives, then if it's something that is specific to data, then the data governance team will be charged with, tell us what the other levels are. What does this look like? Do the research and then come back and make um, a recommendation. So they're not operating in silos, but they can be like in, in tandem. We do have things that come up that the data governance structure is like gridlocked on. And in our formal outline, those come to cabinet and we are the final decision makers as to how this is going to work. One of the things that's really helped, Jamie, is that the fact um, the assignment of access and the assignment of who can see what and does what, that actually is based on roles. So again, you get out of the personality, you need this because this is what you are expected to do. So we haven't had a lot of issue with that because we have some very clear strategic goals. And if it falls in one of those, we're going to elevate that to, to get it moving. And um, our lead, um, Mel Boykin, she is um, over our um, institutional research and she leads that team. Mm -hmm. She has a different perspective on how that's going to work. And someone will say, that's great for faculty, but that's terrible for the student sure. experience. Yeah. Yep. That sounds like, yeah, it's, it sounds like a very well thought out uh, process. So yeah, it's, it's, fa it's, it's fascinating to think through. And, it, and I want to agree. It sounds like a ton of work. <laughs> it's a ton of work. <laughs> and I think that's an overlooked part of it. Like there's a, a disconnect between the understanding of, all of those things to get these processes to work, finding roles, 
data architecture, business process, and common definitions. Yes, and all of that agreement, and 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 because the so many other institutions don't see all of that, they then don't see necessarily a need from the get go to start with data governance, because that's how all of that comes alive, or at least you become more aware of it. Mm-hmm. As you were talking, one of the things that stood out, I know we we're talking student experience, but my mind comes back to kind of this group and the ability to, to work your way to this level. Is there a, in your mind, is there a certain level of knowledge or understanding that needs, that someone needs to have to effectively serve in this group, both in business process and or the technology platform itself? I think. Yes, a certain level of knowledge, but we do have some individuals who have really good process thinking that are still learning the technology. So um, I think it could, it's a combination of things to work. The individuals on the data governance cannot tell you all of the components to everything that's happening in PeopleSoft and how Salesforce pulls this piece. They don't know about that and they don't care. All right, so they're learning and listening, but that's not a requirement, but they do need to understand um, either globally for the college um, where we're trying to go or in their unique role, enough about the technology to say, how might this affect X or how might this affect Y and ask those intelligent questions. So we've got a good mix of um, on the committee, OJT, on the committee training, OCT, um, but they still have really good insight. It's not a volunteer thing. Raise your hand if you'd like to be on data governance. So these are individuals that have been appointed because they have knowledge that can contribute. I like it. Um, Sorry, one more question about that. Yeah. How big is that team? I'm just so curious. Do you know I how many it's members? About, it's, it's what, maybe 15 people. And is that only for your campus or is that part of the system? It's only for our campus. Wow, that's awesome. That's incredible. It's only for our campus. Yep, great. Do you have like in your stated vision or goals, you know, the role of technology in terms of how it's going to support you? How, how, how embedded is that into whether it's yours for your division and departments or across the institution? Okay, so um, we do have stated um, goals and we revisit those every year. Uh, We just finished our annual report. And one of the things in our, um, and it's actually on our website for the division, this is not for the college, but for the division, is that we, we are committing to do high tech and high touch. What are the latest best practices related to technology? Not just say the word, tell me how you do that and actualize the high touch. And then how do you augment that with the high Uh, tech and then how do you augment that with the high touch? What does that look like? Does that mean generating a list from Salesforce um, instead of this time it's going to be a postcard? Here's the list and now you're going to make a phone call or here's the list and you're not doing the um, personalized communications that come right out of Salesforce, but it can actually say here it's time for you to connect with these students because they haven't had any movement. And so you use both of those together And that's where the technology helps you and you're not having to run lists or shoot, I forgot to run that last month. Those are the types of things that I want to see us get to because I've done that before and it's all in part of the communications plan. And communications is not just 
things that come through technology, but you can use the technology so you can communicate um, on a personal level with those um, potential prospective students or students that may give a flag that you now want to, to reach out to. And that's again, in two different systems because recruitment is detached from uh, retention. Yeah, that's so, I mean, so I have, I've been in, in higher ed for about almost 20 years, not quite as long as Mickey. His hair is a little, little lighter in his, in his head than mine. <laughs> um, but I, I often kind of rail on the industry as, as a, you know, we, we often find ourselves kind of looking for the silver bullet, right? We look for that one magic piece. And I think that it, first of all, I know it doesn't exist because I know I've looked for it a lot, but, um, but the other part is too, I think there's a part where it sounds like what I, what I'm hearing you say is like, eventually you've got to realize that there, first of all, is not one size that fits all. And what you got to do is find the, find the pieces that work the best, even if they're sometimes, you know, overlap. I love how you talked about overlap, because I think sometimes we're, you know, we get trapped by like, oh, well, we already have that. And we have to use this part of that software when really this other piece of software we're looking at has a better version of that. And it has like six other things that we are really have gaps on right now. And I think that that's a important part of like this, this conversation, especially as we think about this ever increasing technological generation, that's like expecting so much, right? They do not expect crappy com flows. They do not expect like things that are band-aided together kind of you know if they only knew kind of what the systems look like on the inside it might be another story but it's like they they expect instagram level photos that are just looking great that come through and speeds that are fast and if it doesn't look that way then they're out they're going somewhere yeah. else jamie you're right on spark um, target and i don't want to um just overshadow but you said something that sparked something to me when we use the technology correctly Mm -hmm. we spend our touch time better. Yes. So if I have a student who has not had any interaction, do I really spend my time calling and trying to cultivate that student when they show no interest instead oh of just running a whole list of a 10,000 people and trying to, you know, tell everybody on campus, yeah. you know, make, make a hundred calls. That's not the best use of our yeah. resources and our time. Time is money. And that's a valuable resource. So how do we deploy to make sure we're making connections based on data as to who's more likely to enroll? Who are the students that are right there at that gap that we need that personal touch? And the, who are these students that are going to come and they're going to do, they're doing fine. Do I really need to spend as much of my time uh, yeah. with that? So that's one of the ways that I think we have to think about how we use technology with the touch. Totally. I couldn't agree more. You said it so much better than I did. I love it. Uh, well, I think our takeaway is high tech and high touch, um, which is, is, is not brand new to Reynolds. I, I remember Dr. Sess since my first day uh, meeting your team, that's been one of the pushes. Uh, and it just drives home to me. If you start with this goal of what it is you're trying to do to go about enrolling students, with something as simple as high tech and high touch, like not that getting there is easy, but understanding what it means right. is easier. You've got that in place. Then the decisions become easier to make. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which of the tools do we work? Do we use? Well, what gives us the best ability to quickly high tech and high touch? It, all of those things start to play in, and, and the decisions that are complex that take forever to make are shortened, are easier, and can be made with more intentionality. And um, I don't know that you know. I, we've had I don't know how many guests at this point on various episodes, but I don't know that we've had someone very clearly explain it that way, Dr. Seth. So thank you Huge. for sharing that because there's so much takeaway um, mm-hmm. that listeners can hear and walk away with, with immediate steps. They yeah. can, they can easily hear what you've described for us and find what they're not doing and put some of those things in place. Again, not easily to get it all done, but I, to start identifying where the holes are and then it's, then you have to start plugging away. Um, so thank you. Thank you very much for, for joining us and sharing that. This is a, a fantastic um, interview and wealth of knowledge for everybody. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Yes. Well, Jamie, we've done it. We've done it. We've, we've, we've hit a new high mark. So I, um, I don't know that we're going to be a replicate this type of success. <laughs> um, we've got a pretty hard, uh, pretty well, Dr. Sass, here, so. what are you doing every week from now on? <laughs> <laughs> yes, our third, our third host. Um, you know, and I will, you know what? It's, it's, you say that, Jamie, because I was just thinking, like, what if we brought on folks that would be willing to talk on a recording with some of their issues, and Dr. Sass can just pick them apart and plug their holes. Oh my word! Um, Amazing. Well, it, well, first you start taking all of our consulting business because that's right. Uh, I know for sure. <laughs> so, but that I I was seriously thinking that like God, we yeah. could bring on people and she could just start plugging these holes for it. She yeah. could explain it, <laughs> uh, and people will listen to you before they'll listen to us. We're consultants; like they 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 think we have an agenda behind it. Realistically, <laughs> it's it's to to help them do what you're already doing. Yeah. Um. So thank you again for joining us. Um. This has been a great uh, episode, and folks, I can't wait to um, get another episode out with you. Hopefully, we can top this one. But Jamie. Good luck. Yes. Nice to meet you, Dr. Sass. Thanks everyone for listening. Come again. Zach here from Neurolify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of CRM Prov. If you liked this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.